Hi boys and girls, my name is Vivian and I'm lucky enough to be a librarian at Ōtaki Library. It's my pleasure this afternoon to read you a few stories which I hope you'll enjoy. The first story is called The Boy Who Grew Flowers. Now you're probably thinking this is going to be a story about a boy who grew flowers in the earth and you might be surprised to find it's a little bit different. So I hope you enjoy it. Rink Bowwagon was a boy from the deep country. He lived out past where the blacktop road became a dirt road and the dirt road petered out into a little footpath. The path wound through the ancient trees of a wild forest, hopped Black Bear Creek, headed all the way up Lonesome Mountain, made a right-hand turn and ran smack into the bowwagon's door. The bowwagons were the only folks who lived on Lonesome Mountain. The townspeople argued as to whether it was because they were such strange folk that they lived there or whether it was because they lived there that they were such strange folk. However, everyone agreed that the bowwagon clan was a hotbed of strange and exotic talents. Rink's Uncle Dud liked to tame rattlesnakes, and his brothers and cousins were all shapeshifters. But Rink himself had the most special talent of all. During the full moon, he sprouted flowers all over his body. It was a beautiful sight, and they were the prettiest, sweetest-smelling and longest-lasting blossoms you ever saw. Some folks might stay home sick in bed if they happened to sprout, but not Rink. Every morning following a full moon, his mamma would gently clip the flowers from her boy and off he would go to school. Now, Rink liked school. At least, he liked the thinking and reading part. But he was shy and quiet and different from the other children. So the teacher gave him a seat at the back of the room and did not bother with him. As for the children, they had all heard stories about Rink's strange relatives, so they stayed at a safe distance from him. Then Angelina Quiz came along, a girl whose family was in the ballroom dancing business and had just moved from Tuscaloosa. She was what some would call a plain girl, she had an easy manner, a luminous smile, and her right leg was shorter than her left by an inch. She always wore a flower behind her right ear. Rink liked her straight away. So did everyone else. Angelina was always surrounded by friends. Rink observed her from a distance. She is forthright and honest, yet always kind, he thought. He also admired the flowers she wore behind her ear, a different one every day, and all of them as lovely as she. As for Angelina Quiz, she soon wondered about this quiet boy who sat alone at the back of the class. So she asked the other children about him. His uncle Dud has a pet rattlesnake called Fat Lucy, and she sleeps on the end of his bed, hissed Fuster Shrimp. And his mother uses a bowling bag for a purse, giggled Shirley Ann Smith. And his granny was raved by, raised by wolves, snickered Gertrude Prug. Angelina did not laugh. 
Why won't anyone talk to him? she asked. The others fell silent. The question rattled in their minds. One afternoon, the teacher announced that the school dance would be held that Saturday night at the church hall. Several of her classmates asked Angelina to go, but she smiled bravely and shook her head. I wouldn't be much of a dancing partner, she laughed. Rink was struck by the wistful note he heard in her voice. She comes from a dancing family, he thought. I bet she loves music. I bet she'd really like to go to that dance. The minute the teacher's back was turned, Rink slipped out the door. No one noticed except Angelina, who glanced back at his empty chair every now and then. She was amazed at how his absence could take the shine off such a pretty, sunny day. When Rink reached his home high on Lonesome Mountain, he went straight to his Uncle Dud's room. He rummaged under the bed until he came up with several feet of Fat Lucy's shucked-off skin. Next, he dug through his mamma's bowling bag until he found a needle and a spool of silk thread. Then, in the tumble-down shed off the kitchen, he turned up an old leather mule saddle. Rink sat down and cleared his mind. He thought intently about Angelina's feet. He pictured their shape and size and the inch of space between her right foot and the floor. Then he cut and stitched and glued. He worked right through from Thursday afternoon until Saturday morning. When Rink was finally done... There on the table stood the loveliest pair of snakeskin slippers that had ever been seen this side of Black Bear Creek. The sole of the right slipper was one inch thicker than the left, so that Angelina could stand true and straight and tall. Rink imagined her dancing. He thought that thought so long, and the feeling deep inside him was so pleasant that even though the full moon had not yet risen, he sprouted a bunch of wild pink roses from the top of his head. That afternoon, Rink followed the footpath down through the forest, across Black Bear Creek, along the dirt road, onto the blacktop road and up the hill. Halfway up the hill, he opened a small gate and walked up the little path that led right to Angelina's front porch. Angelina was helping her mamma sew up a fancy new tango dress. The whole house was quiet, and every little snip of the scissors made a sad little tweak in her heart. She thought about Rink and how she had missed him at school all day Friday. When Angelina heard a knock at the door, her heart flipped. There stood Rink with a bunch of wild pink roses in his left hand and a pair of snakeskin slippers in his right. These are for you, he said, as he offered the slippers to her. If you wear these, you'll dance just fine. Angelina wriggled her bare toes into the slippers then and there. For the first time in her life, she felt herself stand up straight. She took one step, then another, and then she did a little practice dance step. Angelina looked at Rink with delight. Will you be my dancing partner, she asked. I don't know how to do that kind of dancing, said Rink shyly. I'll teach you, cried Angelina. I've watched my family so many times I know all of the steps by heart. She took his hand and they danced together down the path.
After the dance, Rink walked Angelina home. They stopped on the way and sat under an old buttonball tree. Angelina told Rink about her family, and he told her about his. Then, with a pounding heart, he revealed to her the fact that he sprouted flowers all over himself during the full moon. Angelina smiled with delight. Then she bent down and showed Rink where the flower she wore grew right out from behind her ear. From that day on, Angelina Quiz and Rink Bowagon were fast friends. Angelina wore her snakeskin slippers every day, and when the slippers wore out, Rink made her another pair. He has been making all of her shoes for 25 years now. The two of them have their own house up on Lonesome Mountain, only these days it's called Sweet Blossom Hill. Gardening is how Angelina and Rink earn their living. Actually, it's a family business. You see, every one of their seven children was born with a green thumb. Hi. Hi again. The next one I'd like to read to you is called Reading Beauty. Now, it's a bit of an update on a firm favourite. You might recognise it. Sleeping Beauty, but this has a very much more modern twist to it, and I hope you'll really enjoy it. Once upon a planetoid, that's a bit different, isn't it? Surrounded by book lovers, a princess, Lex, read morning, noon and night beneath her covers. Lex's bedroom brimmed with books. She read them at top speed. She even trained her puppy, Prince, to fetch her things to read. But on her 15th birthday, Lex awoke. Her books were gone. She raced to find her parents. Make them stop. What's going on? They answered with a story. Long ago, when you were small, we held a celebration and invited one and all. But while the guests were toasting you, we heard a muffled shout. A fairy burst in, furious that she had been left out. How could you not invite me? I must say, I'm rather miffed. But wait, we did. Be quiet. Let me give your Lex a gift. Like all you wretched readers, Lex will live for reading. But when she's 15, she'll flip a page and get a paper cut. The paper cut will bring a curse. A death-like sleep will take her. She'll stay that way forever. Only true love's kiss will wake her. That's why we hid the books away, her mother said, dejected. For any book could cut you, and you need to be protected. Without its books, the wor their world grew bleak, consumed by dark and gloom. Lex watched the shadows spreading from the windows in her room. It's all my fault, she said to Prince. I can't let things get worse. I'll fly to find the fairy, then I'll make her break the curse. Prince's nose picked up a scent. Good dog, those books, I need them. We'll bring a bot to pack them up and hold them while I read them. Lex started off with How to Fly and How to Find a Fairy and stories gave her courage when the trip got rough and scary. Meanwhile, in her fairy lair, the fairy shrieked, It's Lex! 
She won't get me. I'll stop her with the thorny hedges hex. A wall of thorns around her home. Nice try, but she can't hide. A garden book helped Lex cook up a homemade herbicide. The hedge dissolved to shriveled bits so Lex and Prince could land. The fairy said, That girl is doomed. I've got something special planned. I'll tempt her with the thing she loves, a gorgeous poisoned book entitled How to Lift a Curse. She'll have to take a look. Zap, zip, a glowing book appeared. Prince sniffed. What's this? Lex said. The fairy listened through the door. No sounds. She must be dead. The fairy inched near sleeping Lex to check her now-closed eyes. But Lex sprang up and grabbed her wand and said, Hello! Surprise! I got quite good at faking sleep when I was just a kid. So I could read past bedtime. Now, about that curse you did. That curse will last forever. You will never change my mind. Then Prince nudged Lex's leg and barked. Lex looked. What did you find? <gasps> An invitation. You are invited to a royal ball to celebrate the birth of Princess Lex. You were invited to my ball. We thought this didn't reach you. Wait, can it be that you can't read? Don't worry, I will teach you. Me? Read? In her excitement, the poor fairy didn't think. She touched the book. She turned ghost white and crumpled in a blink. The fairy cursed herself, cried Lex. We need to help her. Quick! Prince ran up and gave the fairy's face a sloppy lick. The fairy slowly came to life. What happened? I'm not dead. Oh, Prince loves everyone, Lex shrugged. She smiled and scratched his head. So Lex came home. The books came back. The land was filled with laughter. The fairy found a job in the library, and all read happily ever after. Have you ever had a big, heavy feelings when nothing seems to be going right and you feel very sad about life? Well, I hope this next story will help you, boys and girls. It's called My Elephant is Blue. One morning, I woke to find an elephant sitting on my chest. I found it hard to get up or move around, to breathe or talk even. I'm blue, the elephant said. Can you please move, blue, I asked. I don't want to move. This is a good spot for me to sit. You're crushing me, I said. Yet I find you very comfortable, said Blue. Mum and Dad were worried. They said, perhaps if you cheered up a bit or smiled at it. But it's hard to cheer up or smile with an elephant sitting on your chest. My brother said, wow, that's different. I said, I don't want to be different, at least not like this. Maybe if I helped you push... My sister suggested. She leaned against Blue while I shoved. Even together, we weren't strong enough. 
It's an elephant, I said. It's an elephant, Mum and Dad said. Surely it can't stay forever. It's bound to move on sometime. I hoped sometime was soon. Mum took every book on elephants out of the library and started reading. Volumes like Sad Elephants for Dummies, Horton Hears a Blue Who, Blue Elephant Strategy, Elephant Jokes Volume 1, How to Move an Elephant, Elephant Psychology. But I don't think anything worked. Dad rang an elephant specialist someone had recommended. It might help if you ate something, Mum said. I'm not hungry. It was true. Not even for chocolate? I thought about this but shook my head. Not even for chocolate. I'll keep it here until you are hungry, Mum said. Dad said, exercise and fresh air never hurt. I was tired of staying around the house all the time. I wanted to go for a walk, but it was impossible to walk with an elephant on my chest. I want to go for a walk, I said to Blue. Can you move? <laughs> Blue replied, turning her back on me. Was she crying? Would you like to come for a walk with me, I tried. We can go together. Blue helped by putting two feet on the ground and we managed a walk around the block. That walk was nice, Blue said the next day. Would you like to go on another one, I asked. Maybe. This time we walked around the block in the other direction. Some people said hello to us and smiled. We both smiled back. It would have been rude not to. The next day, Dad said, Let's all go for a walk. As I put on my shoes, I asked Blue, Are you hungry? No, Blue said. At least, not yet. Mum's packing a picnic. What are your favourite things to eat? We went to the park because elephants like to eat grass and bark. We had sandwiches and pie and the chocolate Mum had saved and some grapes and apples, which Blue and I shared. Blue put all four feet on the ground to reach the grass. She munched for ages, and then we lay down side by side. The sun shone and the fresh air blew gently on our faces. I felt lighter than I had for a long time. My sister and I played roly-poly while Blue watched then all of us played football. And on the way home, Blue walked beside me and her trunk held my hand. I noticed something had changed. Blue, I said, you're turning pink. That's because I don't feel so blue anymore, she said. Blue still lives with us. I take her for walks and we share our favourite things to keep her in the pink. And although sometimes she is blue again, I've discovered she has other colours. Yellow is the one we love the best. Yep. Here's a lovely poem that recently made me giggle a bit and I hope you enjoy it too. It's called Uncle Andy's Singlet. 
Uncle Andy bought the singlet from an army surplus store. It was the only upper garment Uncle Andy ever wore. It kept him warm on winter nights and cool in summer heat. A singlet that was long enough to dry his muddy feet. Oh, I will sing of the singlet, cried our Uncle Andy. A good old cotton singlet will always come in handy. The singlet made a useful pouch to carry new-laid eggs or veggies from the garden or fresh-killed mutton legs. Once it tied a gate up when Andy had no wire. It wrapped a leaking water pipe. It beat a bracken fire. Oh, I will sing of the singlet, cried our Uncle Andy. A good old cotton singlet will always come in handy. When Andy went out fishing... He took it off his back, tied a knot in one end and made a herring sack. At home, he had a fry-up of little silver fishes. And then he used the singlet to dry his breakfast dishes. Oh, I will sing of the singlet, our Uncle Andy cries. There's only one small problem. It does attract the flies. Now, to finish up this afternoon, I'm going to have a song played for you, which is one of my personal favourites. And I think it's relevant to this time of year. As you know, a very special day is coming up. It's Christmas around the corner. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy uh, this song. And I'd just like to give a plug for the library. If you want to write a letter to Santa, you can come along to the, any of the district libraries and um, write him a letter about what you want for Christmas. Hip 
Thanks very much, boys and girls. I've really enjoyed reading to you this afternoon and I hope you've enjoyed some of the selections I've made. So it's uh, goodbye from him and I wish you all a very Merry Christmas season. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast, and through the AccessMedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air. <laughs>